Yeah, we are. To come galloping out of the clouds while the angel armies sing. Yeah, we are. He's gonna gather his people in the shadow of his wings. And I'm gonna raise my voice with, with the, the song of the redeemed. Yeah, we are. Cause all this darkness is a small and passing thing. The darkness is a small passing thing, people. This is the storm, this is the storm, the storm before the calm. This is the pain, the pain before the bomb. This is the cold, the cold, this is the cold before the warm. These are the tears, the tears before the sun. This is the dark. Sometimes all I see is this darkness. So this is Andrew Peterson's song, The Dark Before the Dawn. Yeah, it is. You know, I love this song. Yeah, I do. And it's so pertinent to today and what's, what's uh, going on in, uh, in, the, in the world. <clears throat> because it really, it's a song about how dark it is. But don't worry, people. It's just the dark before the dawn, which means that Jesus is coming back. And he is on the throne. He is in control. And he rocks, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I want to welcome you guys to the show. You know, I always feel like I have a bumpy start. <clears throat> because I don't know if you guys realize how many things that we actually do before the show. But um, I wanted to uh, just kind of get things settled here before I say anything. So do me a favor. Go ahead and... Uh, share this out. If you're watching the replay, go ahead, leave a comment, say, hey, you're on the replay, then I can say hi to you after the fact. Um, and I want to thank you guys for tuning in to tonight's show, because tonight, it is Friday. Yeah, it is. And it's Friday, and we're going to talk about a couple of stories tonight. We're going to talk about, um, I read a couple of articles. I'm just going to give you the quick headlines here, but I'm going to start after I share the headlines. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, share with you something very important that you have to listen to. So there's an article over on the New York Times titled How White Evangelicals Vaccine Refusal Could Prolong the Pandemic. Okay. And also Beth Moore, she's in the news again. Uh, there's an article titled, Beth Moore Apologizes for Her Role in Elevating Complementarian Theology. And if we have time to it, I'm, if we have time, I'm also going to talk about how 80,000 more retail stores closing as COVID shifts spending to online. Now, if I had a lot of sound effects, I would go, dun, dun, dun. I am here to fearmonger you. Yeah, I am. Um, but uh, this article is particularly calling it retail apocalypse. You know, you can put apocalypse after anything. Oh my gosh, it's a stuffed animal apocalypse. Ah! Go, is there a stuffed animal shortage? Yes, there is. Oh no, it's a stuffed animal apocalypse. Why that came to my mind, I have no idea. But the point is that apocalypse is a scary word, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But anyway, we're not going to worry about that. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, apocalypse comes from the Greek, uh, you know, apocalypso, which is an uncovering, which is the Greek name of the book of Revelation. It's a revealing, it's an uncovering. So apocalypse, you know, is just a revealing of something. But I guess because there are all these scary things in the book of Revelation that apocalypse is associated with you know doom and gloom but it simply means a revealing anyway back to you an easter bunny apocalypse <laughs> hey just for fun everybody all you gotta do is pick anything like a yo-yo and then put the word apocalypse after it and just you know see how funny that sounds okay you're like really really did you just say that um yeah i did actually you're you know um <laughs> okay look one of my monikers around here it's not really a moniker but one of my 
staples. If you haven't been new to this show, I am so glad that you're tuning in for the very first time. You have won the prize of the day if you're tuning in to us for the first time because you're like, oh my gosh, Bible News Radio. What the heck is Bible News Radio? Now you're seeing me with big hair. Yeah, I get it. And yes, I am. Uh, I, I look at tough topics with a light touch. Why? I have no idea. I have, I have got a God-given gift. Like Rush Limbaugh used to say, you know, talent from on high. <laughs> talent on loan from God. Ta- talent on loan from God. There we go. Um, well, here's the thing, though. So I have the ability to do stuff other people can't do. Okay, like for example, in fact, Randall shared this with me um, uh, earlier. And in, in, yeah, Randall, come back on. So Randall likes this this uh, thing called is it dry bar comedy? Yes. Okay. And so Randall was sharing with me this comic that had um, that was talking about men who want to become women or say that they're women. They say that they're women and that how they should do women things. He's like, yeah, he's like, you know. <laughs> I'm okay, you know, I'm a little progressive. Uh, if some guy says that he's really a woman, you know, I'm okay with that. But there's, you should have to pass a test first because there are things that only women can do. Right. 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 And the example that this guy gave apparently was like, let's say you're... He gave a few, but... You talk about the mall one and the baby. Yeah, that's, that's one of them that, you know, he talks about. He was in a... He was in the mall, and this woman came up to him. He had his nephew, and she stoops down and says, Oh, is that your son? And he says, Oh, it's my nephew. Well, he's just as a cutie and whatever. And, um, you know, um, I don't know. Well, I can't wait till you grow up. When you turn 18, I'm coming back for you. And then she, you know, went off on her merry way, and, and it was, you know, acceptable. And he said, I challenge any man, any man to try that. Right. Walk up to, you know, um, complete stranger, a young mother in the store, and you know, well, hi, what's your name? You know, talking to this little girl, and when I'm 18, I'm coming back for you. He says, you don't get to walk off on your way; you get escorted out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's true. You know, um, a man could never get away with something like that. Many years ago, Randall. And I, Randall challenged me, or I dared him. I don't remember, but I had these really ugly yarn made slipper. Knitted slippers. Knitted slippers. I didn't challenge you. What what it was, we were, we were on a trip somewhere. Were we on our honeymoon? I don't, might have been our honeymoon. I think it might have been. Or an anniversary trip. Might have been an anniversary trip. But I remember it was raining and your shoes got wet. You stepped in a puddle and then, (laughs) so then you didn't want to wear your shoes and you had to pack these knitted slippers. These orange and white slippers, fine. But you said, I'm just going to wear these. And I'm like, no, I can go get you a pair of shoes. Like, no, I'm going to. I was like, nobody will notice. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, nobody's going to notice these bright orange and white knitted slippers that you're wearing. But what? To put that to the test, I told Randall, I said, I'm just going to go and I'm going to offer hugs to complete strangers. Mm-hmm. And so, being the introvert I am, <laughs> I'm actually more... You one- are, partially. I, I am more now than I was then. But I I think we went to, Mc- uh, it wasn't McDonald's, but it was yeah. some restaurant, yeah, some- fast food, Kentucky Fried Chicken or something. I don't know. Somewhere close. Yeah. And I remember going in there, and of course, there's a woman or whoever, and I went up and I said, you know, I would just like to give you a hug or something. I don't know how I said it, but I'm like, can I have a hug or do you want a hug or something like that? And they're like, yeah. And I did this with like numerous people. And and my husband, you know, Randall's laughing because he's like, there is no way. Like if I did that, I'd get smacked. Mm-hmm. Um Especially if I was wearing orange and white knitted slippers. I'm like, okay, this guy's... Yeah, I'd call the police for sure. Got in these funky slippers off and people hugs. Right, well, there's this disarming ability that some of us have. And I, I really do think it's a gift. You certainly do. 
I, I have it, right? I mean, this week I stood up at a network meeting with a box of Always Feminine Protection and talked about Legal Shield. <laughs> I tried it to the thing. <laughs> and it's I, a shield and it is legal. <laughs> but what's funny about it is most of the people that were there were men and I'm like, you're always going to remember my presentation. Trust me on this. You're always going to remember it. And at, at the end, they were all, that was the greatest presentation. But none of them would have been able to pull that off. I have a certain personality. And, <clears throat> I mean, Randall, one of the memories Randall has was when we were at the singles group one, one day, I said, okay, everybody, would just all stand up. You know where I'm going with this, right, Randall? Yep. And, <laughs> and so everybody's like, okay. So they all stood up. And I said, now, I want you to put your right foot in, <laughs> put your left foot out, or put your right foot out. <laughs> Everybody did. <laughs> and and they're like, Randall's like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just my anointed leadership, I guess. Because it was in the midst of a serious discussion, and, and uh I don't know, planning meeting or something, and then it, there's kind of a lull while we're all taking it in, and and she's like, "Everybody, just stand up," and I'm like, "Okay, you know, it's gonna be some team building." I guess it was in a way, but okay, I, you know, I'm just getting a circle. Okay, put your right foot in and put your right foot up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Is, it, is that when you knew? It was, it was well received, surprisingly. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? Well, yeah. Right? <laughs> but um, it was such a non sequitur in the in the uh, you know in the in the moment. Well, so anyway, all I have to say. Yes. We we look at the news, serious news, really that we should be all terrified of, you know, with a light touch. Because here's the deal, people. If you're in Jesus, you're saved. It doesn't matter what happens to us here. We're on our way to heaven. We're going to be in eternity all forever with Jesus. We're going to get to worship Jesus forever. And so Christians should be the most joyful people in the world, right? I mean, we should. Now, what this does not mean is it doesn't mean we're in denial. It doesn't mean that we deny our pain. It doesn't mean that we don't feel our pain. I've cried a lot this week. I miss my dad, you know. But what I can tell you is that I still have joy, and I can laugh at the days that we're in in many ways because it's so stinking obvious <laughs> to me what's going on. And yet, at the same time, people are coming into his kingdom every single day day don't ever forget even though you might not see it people are being born again every day in the gospels we read that the harvest is plentiful the laborers are few therefore beseech the lord of the harvest right and he told us to go out there because people need christ and what he did for us and i'm going to tell you something <clears throat> i said that a lot don't i i'm going to tell you something right now um, <laughs> when, when, when you're truly born again, God gives you a peace and a joy that the world will never be able to match in any way, shape, or form. You can't get it in a pill. You can't get it, you know, any other way. You know, I was sharing with my friend Glenn today that, um, you know, when my dad died, the Holy Spirit came into the room and fell on me in such a way that I have never felt before. And I really believe that there was angels singing and there was rejoicing that my dad finally came home to Jesus. You know, he entered into heaven and there was a big party waiting for my dad. I mean, he was 92. There's a lot of people before him up there. <laughs> All four wives for one, you know. <laughs> oh, you made it finally. I could just see that, you know especially my mom, I'd be like, I, I, that is something I wished I could have seen. Like my mom seeing my dad in heaven, that would have been funny because my dad would have been like, wow, you really made it. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, but you know, there, there, we have joy. We have a reason for joy and, and we have a reason to go forth and share our faith. And one of the ways that um, I think is lacking. There's two things 
that over the last nine months or so that I've been really convicted of and have been pursuing. Number one, daily Bible reading and accountability. Look, most Christians don't read the Bible every day, okay? That's a fact. How do we know this? Because most Christians, when you ask them where you're reading in the Bible, they won't tell you anything. It's silence, crickets, like you would not believe, right? Or, hey, I read my devotional. Your devotional isn't the Bible, okay? So that doesn't count. Number two, even fewer Christians memorize God's word. Um, And, you know, that is something when I was first saved, I memorized scripture like constantly. Every single day I was memorizing a new verse. I, I was a sponge and I fell out of it. I did. I fell out of it. I'm not proud of it. But, you know, as you get older, you just lack certain spiritual disciplines. Um, And that was one that I fell out of. And and now I picked it up again. And I have to tell you, uh, one of the tools that I use, and I want you to know about it, it's called Bible Memory. Okay, it's a a mobile app. But you can also go to to your browser and type in BibleMemory.com right there. You see it there on the screen, BibleMemory.com. It used to be called Scripture Typer. And they have a pro version of it, and they have a um, a free version. The free, the only difference between the pro and the free is that the the pro version you can audio record the scriptures, so you can read. You know, you can hit record. You can you can read the verses into the the app, and then you can play them. You can hit repeat and have it repeat repeat it to you if you're an audio learner, right? So <clears throat> I have a little promo code there. It's Bible news. You get 20% off. It ends up being about eight bucks. Usually it's 10 bucks for the app. It's unlimited. It's lifetime. Um, But for eight bucks, you can go ahead and get this app. You can record stuff in it and you can begin to put scriptures in there and memorize. And it it makes it really fun uh, to do. And what I'm going to tell you is that the more you meditate on God's word day and night, the more you're focused on his thoughts, the more his thoughts will become your thoughts. And the times when you're feeling anxious and overwhelmed and depressed and discouraged, God's going to bring back to your memory the word that he has, that you hid in your heart, that you treasured in your heart, right? God's not going to be able to bring back to your memory a word you haven't stored and hidden in your heart. So my encouragement to you, and I say this for two reasons. Number one, my encouragement to you is to, you know, try it out. Download the app. You can get it on your Android or iPad or just do it online, right? It's important to, re- to, to memorize the word, even if you're just doing one verse. One verse is better than none, right? Some is better than none. Here's the deeper reason. We're living in a very dark day, and there could be a time in the future when Bibles are taken away from us, and I'm not trying to be a fear monger at all. I'm a realist. I look at the culture. I've seen things that have gone on, and if your Bible was taken away from you today and you could not get a Bible anywhere else, what would the only Bible you would have with you is what you have in you, right? And so I don't know about you. But I want as much of the word of God with me as I can have with me because then he returns it. His word doesn't return void and he renews our mind. And the other thing I can tell you is the more that you're meditating on his word, the more mentally healthy you're going to be. Now, I say that as a therapist. Um, It's been documented that those people who are in God's word, who are meditating on his word, that have a personal relationship with Jesus, um, God heals and he delivers and it all comes through his word. Never underestimate the power of the word of God. It, it can change you in a way that you, you don't even expect. And what I can tell you is for me, having just recently picked this back up in the last couple months, I have been shocked I have, I've been surprised in a special way at what God has done uh, in my heart and my mind as a result of just getting back into scripture memory. So go to BibleMemory.com, put in Bible News, 
and get the get the pro version I, I don't know what I'd get five cents or something I don't know what I would get doesn't matter I want you to get this tool on your phone and begin to use it all right because um because it's super super important all right so with that said let's go ahead and begin by talking about the article over on uh well it's on yahoo news <laughs> on it's titled how white evangelicals vaccine refusal could prolong the pandemic okay and this is on yahoo which isn't part of the vast right-wing conspiracy um and it's interesting to me i was reading this article and of course the headline what do we learn just about this article from the headline Wh who are they blaming in the headline uh, that would be white evangelicals, not black evangelicals, not Asian, not Hispanic, not Indian, but white. That would be white people. White evangelicals vaccine refusal <laughs> could prolong the pandemic. So white evangelicals are being blamed here already. And we haven't even read the first sentence of the article, but let's go ahead and read this. So it says here, uh, Stephanie Nana, an evangelical Christian in Edmond, Oklahoma, refused to get a COVID-19 vaccine because she believed it contained, quote, aborted cell tissue, unquote. Well, cells derived ultimately through a line of cells that originated from. Okay. Yeah. So she's not far off. Nathan French, who leads a non-denominational ministry in Tacoma, Washington, said he received a divine message that God was the ultimate healer and deliverer. The vaccine is not the savior. Lori Armstrong, a Bible-believing nutritionist outside of Dallas, said she did not need the vaccine because God designed the body to heal itself if given the right nutrients. More than that, she said, it would be God's will if I am here or if I'm not here. Are you okay, Bubba? Bubba over here was having a little asthma attack. The deeply held spiritual convictions of counterfactual arguments. Counterfactual. Don't you like that word? Great word. <laughs> May vary. But across white evangelical America, reasons not to get vaccinated have spread as quickly as the virus that public health officials are hoping to overcome through herd immunity. The opposition is rooted in a mix of religious faith and a longstanding wariness of mainstream science and it's fueled by broader cultural distrust of institutions and gravitation to online conspiracy theories the sheer size of the community poses a major problem for the country's ability to recover from a pandemic that has resulted in the deaths of half a million americans and evangelical ideas and instincts have a way of spreading even internationally Dun, dun, dun. I know, right? There are about 41 million white evangelical adults in the United States. About 45% said in late February that they would not get vaccinated against COVID-19, making them among the least likely demographic groups to do so, according to the Pew Research Center. If we can't get a significant number of white evangelicals to come around, on this, the pandemic is going to last much longer than it needs to, said Jamie Atten, founder and executive director of the Humanitarian, Humanitarian Disaster Institute at Wheaton College, an evangelical institution in Illinois. As vaccines become more widely available and as worrisome virus variants develop, the problem takes on new urgency. Significant numbers of Americans generally are resistant to getting vaccinated, but white evangelicals present unique challenges because of their complex web of moral, medical, and political objections. The challenge is further complicated by longstanding distrust between evangelicals and the scientific community. Would I say that all public health agencies have the information that they, they need to address their questions and concerns? Probably not, said Dr. Julie Moridia, the executive vice president of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and a former Chicago Public Health Commissioner. No clear data is available about vaccine hesitancy among evangelicals of other racial groups, but religious reasoning often spreads beyond white churches. Many high-profile conservatives, pastors, and institutional leaders have endorsed the vaccines. Franklin Graham told his 9.6 million Facebook followers that Jesus would advocate for vaccination. Pastor Robert Jeffress 
commended it from an anti-abortion perspective on Fox News. We talk about life inside the womb being a gift from God. Well, life outside the womb is a gift from God, too. The president of the Southern Baptist Convention, J.D. Greer, tweeted a photo of himself receiving a shot. Well, I I can tell you, just pausing here momentarily, uh, I've had um, Robert Jeffress on my show a couple times. Um, I I have respect for him as a pastor. Doesn't necessarily mean I agree with him on everything. Um, I do not agree with Franklin Graham on a ton of stuff. Um, and I, I personally think J.D. Greer needs to be removed as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. So these wouldn't be people that I would necessarily follow anyway. You're like, really, Stacey Van Harp? Yeah, why is it, you know, how come these people are in, you know, such superior positions than you, you little peon? little Bible news radio show on YouTube and Facebook. Why, why do you not respect the authority of these men of God and their positions? Well, (laughs) because I don't follow man. That's the bottom line. I don't follow Christian leaders. And frankly, Graham has done some things I don't agree with. J.D. Greer, I definitely don't agree with. Robert Jeffress, I don't have too many arguments with him, but what are your thoughts, Randall? Several things. You know, the the slanting in this article is no. There's a slant in the article. It's 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 expert. Well, not expert level, but it's it's pretty good. I mean, the the author scrolling back up here. I don't have it here. Um, not in the. Uh, this is New York Times. Oh, Elizabeth Diaz and Ruth Graham. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the authors of this article, um, they're pretty skilled at um, their word choices. But interesting, they mentioned herd immunity, like that's the, that's the outcome of vaccination, widespread vaccination. I c- could be wrong, I often am. But uh, herd immunity, um, my understanding, typically happens through infection of you know, with infection of the disease. And somehow they're talking about, oh, these new strains, and so this is the reason to get this vaccination, uh, especially, you know, with the new strains coming, you know, it makes it even more important to get this vaccine. Well, how many people do you know who got a flu vaccine and still got the flu, which is another coronavirus, and they change it up every year, hoping to match the one that's making the rounds that year, and it's 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 roulette. It's a it's a crapshoot. People get the a flu vaccine that may you know have a couple strains of you address a couple strains of virus, and they still get the one that's making the rounds. Uh, uh, coronaviruses mutate, and there's several strains of the flu, and really COVID nineteen is one of them. Um, and flu vaccination hasn't prevented, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 sometimes a year from dying from strains of the flu. Um, somehow, oh, it's so urgent to, to get this and these these science deniers. And I like counterfactual. I love that. <laughs> it's just not false. It's just not wrong. It's not a different opinion, but it's counterfactual. They're going against facts. It's not just they. There's just science deniers. They're opposed to facts. Counterfactual. Love that ad- yeah. adjective. Um. Anyway, I mean, if you want to get it, whatever. I personally, I don't want to be part of the world. You know, history's largest um, medical trial. Right. Um. Because it. I mean. <laughs> We're not even talking a year, and I'm, I'm not a virologist or a microbiologist or anything like that. I don't work for the CDC. I don't pretend to, but I believe past vaccines undergo, uh, you know, years of development and testing this fast track and get it out to millions of people. I'm kind of like a wait and see. Uh, apparently, I was just talking to Stace before the program. Wow, we're at the bottom of the hour. So, 
Real quick, seems like I don't. We don't watch the news. I don't, but I pick up things on YouTube. Apparently, the thing going on the you know the mainstream uh, news channels now is that COVID causes neurological problems, uh, dementia, and these other things, and so um, ALS. And you know, it's important to get the vaccine because you may think that okay well 99 percent survival rate or whatever COVID 19 has it's not just the death it's these this brain damage this disability brain damage that you can get so it's all that more important to get the vaccine um i've just never seen such a push for a vaccine that's you know for a disease that has so far uh, taken less lives than other coronaviruses, flu, you know, flu yeah. variants uh, collectively over the years. Right, and I'm not going to finish reading the rest of that article, but you can you can read the rest on the New York Times website. Uh, or is it? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, New York Times. You know, article. I. Um, by the way, Angie, thank you for writing. You know, she wrote, love that app, and she wrote, yes, classic response, make those of us look crazy for those who choose not to take the vaccine, blame us for furthering the spread as well. Yeah, let's forget China, right? I mean, if, if, if this is where it originated, let's say, for sake of argument, that was the truth. God only knows really literally what the truth is, but let's just say it was China that did it. Um, we don't want to put responsibility on them. No, instead, we want to vaccinate the world. Now, if I believed personally what the media numbers were saying, if a half a million Americans died of this for real, that'd be one thing. I don't trust those numbers. I don't. First of all... Especially since the flu numbers... They're so low. Dipped well, dra drastically over previous yeah, years. But I don't trust those numbers. Okay, so half a million people died. How many people does the average person know? Well, let's just say on Facebook, let's say a couple thousand conservatively. Okay, I know a couple thousand people, and I don't know one person that died of COVID. I know literally a handful that got it. Maybe two handfuls, maybe 10 people, maybe a dozen people. Well, I know people that know people that I know people that have relatives that have but did reportedly they, died. But of, did they yeah. have other comorbid situations? I didn't it, know. It wasn't just everybody I've heard of that's died has had some other serious illness prior to that. You know, my dad, he had COVID when he died, but he did not die of COVID. He died of old age and kidney failure, basically. Yeah, the death certificate, surprisingly. Well, I told him, I said, if I if COVID ends up on my dad's death certificate, you're going to change it because he didn't die of COVID. But he was he asymptomatic. Didn't. Yeah. But my my point here is that that if I trusted what the lying liberal media said, that would be one thing, but I don't. And really the bottom line of this, when you think clearly, is that... They're, they're targeting white evangelicals because the white evangelicals, apparently, and I'm only bringing it up because it says white evangelicals, but apparently that demographic refuses to be a sheeple and follow the herd. Well, I, I would say just evangelicals in general, right, but, but since, since, since Caucasians make up the largest percentage of evangelicals in this nation right now i bet that probably yeah. in the uh other countries it's you know some other attaching yeah. evangelicals my point to, is yeah. is that we have why the church is the biggest threat to this is because we follow a different god than most people like, my God is not the media. My God is not the news. My God isn't politics. My God isn't the president of this country, right? That's not who I follow. I could, I don't care about what they say. That's not my priority. My priority is what God's word says. 
And, you know, it's interesting. Last night I woke up about 2.30 in the morning. Uh, I was scrolling through Facebook and I was going through my memories. And my friend Tim Gillette interviewed me a year ago today. And I thought, you know, I should turn this on. Maybe it'll help me fall asleep to fall asleep to myself. But it was interesting because Tim was interviewing me. It was about a month into COVID. And he was interviewing me and he asked me, he goes, well, what do you think about this situation with COVID? And, you know, you're a woman of faith and people are looking up to you spiritually for answers and stuff. So what do you think? And I said, you know what I think? I think God is judging the world. He's judging the world, not just America, but the world. And the question is, are we going to wake up to what he's trying to do and wake us up out of, right? I would argue also that, a large part of the world is still sleep. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. Bottom line is the church is going to be the one that stands in the way of what the evil doers among us want to promote and push. You know, and the irony is if if the the feminists can shout, keep your laws off my body and be pro-choice, yell and scream that it's okay to kill a baby inside the womb then why couldn't that also apply to me if the government should want to push, like, you can't do this unless you get the vaccine? And that's coming. I've already seen things that, that are pointing in that direction. So it's like, well, okay, eventually it'll be coming. Buy, sell, can't do it unless you have the mark of the beast. I don't think we're going to be here for that, but just saying, um, I personally feel that if I'm a healthy individual, there's no need for me to get the vaccine. Now, if you're somebody who has a compromised immune system and this vaccine is completely legit, then go for it. If you feel comfortable putting poison into your body that you have nothing to, you don't know what it's about. And I have friends, I have friends that I know who have done it. They've gotten two shots. Some of them have gotten sick. Um, some of them are in the medical profession. I have a neighbor who's a teacher who was basically required to do it for her job. Not really a big fan that she had to do it. Um, but, you know, it's like you have to risk if it's your life or not. <laughs> for me personally, I've never gotten the flu shot. I have no desire to get a vaccination for this. I don't see a need for it personally. The media, however, will, will paint the whole opposite story and they'll tell you, do this, do this, blah, blah, blah. And then you're the one that's causing all this problem. Uh, no, the problem I'm causing is that I'm hindering your evil plan from going forward because I'm not playing your stupid game, right? Now, for compromised people, again, if you trust the government and the FDA and all the people that put this together, more power to you, go for it. But I don't have that faith <laughs> for myself. Um, and, and that's your choice. I'm not, say, I'm not telling you don't get it. Get it if that's what you feel comfortable with. It's your body. You, God gave you the choice to choose. If you feel better getting it, go for it. If you don't have any adverse effects, great. I'm happy for you. But don't force it on me if I don't want to get it. And that's what this is basically kind of smacking you down, basically saying, you know, uh, because you're not getting it, you don't r really give a, a rip about other people. Because if you really did, then you would get vaccinated. Um, and that's just a lie. I care about other people. And I also care about my own health. And just like I refuse to get the flu shot, because I don't get the flu very often, number one, you know, who are you to tell me what I should be doing and putting in my body if I don't want to? You know, I don't drink Coke. I don't drink Pepsi. I don't drink cola in general uh, because to me, that's poison putting in me, putting into my body, right? I mean, it is a chemical cocktail. Coke and Pepsi are, right? Also, it is for the most part. But I'm not going to condemn you and tell you you can't drink it if you don't want. You can drink it all you want. I know friends who drank it and got multiple sclerosis as a result of it, all right? I choose not to drink it because it tastes like, it tastes bad. <laughs> Have you noticed I'm not swearing as much uh, using this colorful language? But, you know, I choose not to drink it because it does not make me feel good, right? I drink water. 
actually had a Mary Kay rep yesterday I was talking to asked me, what is it? Do you use Mary Kay products for your, you know, whatever? And I'm like, no, but you have beautiful skin. Well, I'm, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I drink water. That's my primary drink. I drink water and one cup of decaf usually in the morning. That's it. That's what I put in my body as far as liquid goes and whatever fruit and vegetables I get, you know, but I'm not going to get a vaccine and nobody's going to make me feel guilty for having my right to my own body and what I would, what I want, would and would not want to do with it. Now, if you feel comfortable, go ahead. And I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to go, hey, you're an idiot. You know, how stupid can you be? <laughs> because people do what they do for the reasons that they do them. Right. And I just think this New York Times article is just evidence just trying to smack down the evangelical community because people choose to think different and not follow the media narrative that they want them to follow. You know, I have a right to say no. And so do you. You also have a right to say, yeah, sure, I want to do it. It's going to make me feel better. Okay, go for it. But don't attack me because I'm a Christian if I say no. And that's basically what they're doing. You know, and it's like, it's it's kind of ridiculous when you think about it. Um, and the church just kind of goes, oh, okay, okay, whatever, yeah, go ahead. And we're the bad guys? Like, uh, I'm sorry, go back to the source of the, of the virus. If what we can believe anything in the media, well, then the source of the virus is China. So we should be mad at China, right? I mean, you know, our country should go to war with China and blow them up and stuff, you know, and, and tell and wipe them off the face of the earth, right? I mean, if, if, if that's what this is really about. But even that, I don't think, is really the case. Because frankly, I think that the world leaders are all in cahoots together. I don't care who they are. Maybe there's more clicks with certain ones. But, you know, the, there's going to be a... The, we already have essentially a one world government with our current president that's going to even become more so and america's going to become more a part of that because we have a president i believe who has dementia and who is a puppet right now and i think that it's only going to be a matter of time before they push him out and they put kamala in as president and then I think the Marxist regime that they want to take over America, make it socialist, is going to fall right into place the way that they want. And if you think Christian persecution isn't going to happen in this country quicker as a result, then I, you know, I hate to tell this to you, but you, you might want to wake up um, because it, it's exactly going to happen, especially if the Equality Act gets passed, so, which it probably will. I hope it doesn't, but it probably will. All right. So on that happy note, let's go to Beth Moore because we got about 20 minutes left. Okay. So Beth Moore, she is a fire rod, isn't she? Um, I have to tell you, Beth Moore, um, she tweeted earlier today. Um, she wrote, morning, y'all. Jumping on here to say I'm putting myself in timeout for a bit. I think we'll both be relieved. LOL. Two reasons. One, I feel a bit too strongly about some things to be on Twitter right now. I don't trust myself. Gonna punch somebody. I can either get ugly or get off. So here's the thing. Uh, Julie Royce. Um, oh, wait, she goes on to say, wait, let me finish what Beth said. She goes on to say, and the fact is, I really do want to walk with Jesus in the spirit and not burn stuff down. Mind you, I don't take back a word I've said. See, this is where I go awry. The longer I talk, I just think it's enough for now, too. I'm writing again and just hit the groove writer's crave. When you get really immersed and feel a lot of life in it, and for those of us in the faith, a lot of spirit, you go with it when it comes. Please know all's well. I'll be back in these Tweety Bird woods soon. I was going to tell you to behave, but sometimes behaving's overrated. <clears throat> so that's Beth Moore. Okay, so why is she in the news this time? She's in the news. Uh, Julie Roy's uh, wrote an article. Actually, it wasn't her. Cynthia April. Cynthia W. over on julieroys.com. Uh, wrote an article titled, Beth Moore Apologizes for Elevating Complementarian Theology. Okay. Why is this important? 
Well, let's read the article and then I'll tell you why it's important. It's just easier to read the article. So, all right, let's read the article. So the article says here, first, she shook the evangelical world by leaving the Southern Baptist Convention. Now Beth Moore, arguably the, the evangelical world's most famous woman's Bible teacher, has begged forgiveness for, for supporting the theology of male headship rooted in many evangelical cultures. In a Twitter thread Wednesday, Moore took aim at complementarianism, the 20th century theological framework that argues men and women are, were created for different roles and that effectively champions and that effectively champions male headship and female submission. For some evangelicals, complementarianism is a line in the sand. Those who question it are seen as undermining belief in the Bible. Moore said that was wrong. Let me be blunt, Moore tweeted, when you functionally treat complementarianism, a doctrine of man, as if it belongs among the matters of first importance, yeah, as a litmus test for where one stands on inerrancy and authority of scripture, you are the ones who have misused scripture. You went too far. She also apologized for her past view on the matter. Um, I beg your forgiveness where I was complicit, she said on social media. I could not see it for what it was until 2016. I plead your forgiveness for how I just submitted to it and supported it and taught it. In an email to Religion News Service, Moore didn't go quite so far as to say she had has entirely abandoned complementarianism, but she no longer sees it as essential. I'm not going to be pushed into either category right now because that's not my point, Moore wrote in a response to a question about whether she was still a complementarian or its counterpart and egalitarian. My point is that it has taken on the importance of first-tier doctrine. Complementarians hold that though God created men and women with equal worth, he designed them to serve different functions. Those holding the opposite doctrine, egalitarians, believe God created men and women with equal worth and the same or interchangeable functions, okay? That's really important, okay? Because that's what this big debate is about. So again, complementarians hold that God created men and women with equal worth, and he designed them to serve different functions. So we, we have different roles as men and women. Those holding the opposite, egal egalitarians believe God created men and women with equal worth, right? And the same or interchangeable functions. Okay. Apologizing for her role in supporting and elevating the importance of that theology, which she had submitted to for decades, is a major development for Moore. Some female historians said Moore's tweets were a decisive shift. Beth Allison Barr, a Baylor University historian, author of The Making of Biblical Womanhood, How the Subjugation of Women Became Gospel Truth, likened more to the biblical Joshua commanding the people to shout so the walls of Jericho fall down. She just shouted, said Bar of Moore. This is going to be the beginning of the end of complementarianism. I don't think so, but anyway. Since 2016, Moore has taken to Twitter to criticize male evangelical leaders, but has never challenged the view that women cannot be ordained or preached from the pulpit. She often referred to herself as a soft complementarian. Her shift in tone Wednesday drew predictable denunciations. The Reverend Tom Buck of First Baptist Church in Lindale, Texas, an outspoken critic of SBC leaders, tweeted that a plain reading of a passage from the New Testament book of 1 Timothy bars women from teaching or preaching the Bible to men in the church. He was referring to a passage from the Apostle Paul's letter to Timothy in which he said, A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. However, some Bible scholars point to other New Testament letters attributed to Paul that convey different attitudes. Paul also allowed his contemporary Phoebe, a female deacon, to read aloud to a house church. Paul thought highly enough of Junia, a woman, and her co-laborer Andronicus that he commended them both as noted among the apostles. But over the past 20 years, Southern Baptists, along with other evangelical denominations, launched an industry of books, devotional literature, conferences, and seminary programs celebrating, quote, the dignity, unquote, of Traditional gender roles in which wives submit to their husbands in the home and only men can serve as pastors, 
Some hard complementarians hold that women also can never teach the Bible in any setting that includes men, including small groups. Some have suggested that as Jesus is subordinate to God the Father, so women must be subordinate to men, a heresy for most Christians who view the three members of the Trinity as equal, for, and then there's a discussion on that, Moore's outside outsize role. She has filled arenas and concert venues for her Bible teaching conferences and sold millions of devotional books, become better known than any of her male counterparts, has always raised tensions around complementarianism. In 2019, she even joked about preaching in a church on Mother's Day. Los Angeles megachurch pastor John MacArthur responded that more should go home. We actually covered that on this show when that happened. For more, most of her reappraisal of the role of women in the church arose with the election of Donald Trump in 2016, the pre-election debate now uh, over the now infamous Access Hollywood tape in which Trump boasted about groping women's genitals, the ongoing sex abuse scandal in the Protestant churches, and the subsequent Me Too movement also contributed to it. Moore has acknowledged she too was sexually abused. On Wednesday, Bible teachers in her mold, such as Jackie C. King, congratulated Moore for her words. I am so deeply grieved and sorry for the hurt and deep losses you have taken from your own, tweeted King, who is also a Southern Baptist pastor's wife. It is the deepest sting and betrayal. Thank you for paving a way, for being faithful for your example. I think and pray for you so often. Thank you, sister. So, <clears throat> Where does where do I begin? <laughs> as, as I have stated numerous times before, I think in some circles Beth Moore gets a bad rap. Uh-huh. She does. I think she gets a bad rap. I totally understand what she's saying here. And um I don't agree with her, but I understand what she's saying. On the other hand, I do agree with her. Um, and I see the attacks on this woman as completely unwarranted. And my greater question is why do so many people care about what she thinks? Why does this woman have so many people obsessed with her and what she cares about? That, I mean, to me, that goes to a completely different topic, and that would be Christian celebrity, which I'm totally opposed to. I think it's, I think it's an anathema to God that we have elevated men and women in the church to positions where what they say is almost as good as what the Bible says. Um, and so I think we need to be fair about Beth, right? I don't know her personally, what I have seen of her, I think that there are some personal issues she needs to deal with personally. Um, and Randall, I think you want to say something, right? <laughs> That's kind of the idea I got. So, um, no, not really. I mean, I'm. I could be called a soft complementarian and a soft egalitarian. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the I my opinion lies between the two extremes. That um, I believe Paul remarked to Timothy were about a husband and wife relationship because of the other things, talking about childbearing and other things. And it seems to me talking about a husband-wife relationship, that it's not just all men and you know all women in general about that relationship. But at the same time, Scripture is pretty clear, uh, going back um, to the Hebrew, if I will, you know, uh, the words for male and female, which we find in in Scripture, zahar for men, nikivah for female. And the, the zahar has to do with memory, the remem remembering one, like Zechariah, you know, God remembers or Yah remembers. Anyway, uh, the role in the household is for the the father or the husband to be the priest of that home and uh, so there's different roles there um, but then uh, in either case I'm with Beth Moore in making this a primary doctrine that right. this is 
you know, you're you're of the devil. You're a, you know, you're a heretic. You're not based on where you fall on this line. Um, I mean, there's room for uh, there's room for discussion, and because there aren't these, you know, rigid, um, you know, spelled out, you know, women shall never be pastors and never. You know, she'll not teach in any circumstance and any, you know, anywhere in the church. It doesn't say that. And nor do we read that women are free to, you know, do anything and everything in the church as same as, as men. We don't see either. There is somewhat of a gray area because I think the truth lies between the two extremes. Right. Um, but so, you know, coming with your pet theology and saying well this this is this is the litmus test for your you know for whether or not you're biblical whether or not you're a heretic you know if you if you don't you know, far you aren't you know lock stock and barrel with my point of view then you're a heretic i mean that that to me seems to be the foolish disputes that paul warns about and i'll quit since there's Less than four minutes left in the program. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, it's you know, here's here's basically what I think. I think that, um, I think people just need to pray for Beth more. Um, I, um, I think that, um, I think that I'm, it's just my opinion, right? This is just my opinion. My opinion is that Beth has had enough of the male bullies in the church who abuse and get away with it. The narcissistic male leadership that's very obvious within the church okay i'm just gonna be blunt about it i could name names but for you know right now i'm not going to but but i could um and i think she's just fed up and sick and tired of it right um where i think that she has an opportunity for growth because we all have growth opportunities um i personally think that a lot of what she gets angry about the whole me too movement um her sexual abuse history and all of that i'm personally not convinced and this is my clinical hat speaking um i'm not personally convinced that she's done her work in that area um because yes there is a righteous judge that will someday take care of all that right I, I'm not a woman that has to jump up and down and scream about having rights or um, anything like that. And God has clearly given her a position of influence. I'm not going to say leadership because I don't think it's leadership, but it's influence. Um, and there's just a lot of people that are really ticked off at her and, and they're mostly men, you know. And I, I just think it's sad because in it all, Jesus gets lost, right? And, and, and it's one of the things that God warns us about in his word is that, uh, in fact, I was just reading this, it's in Proverbs, I think it's chapter eight, might be chapter seven, but I think it's Proverbs chapter eight, where he lists the seven things that he sees as an abomination, Haughty eyes, lying lips, you know. Um, and the last one is creating dissension among the brethren, right? Th this does nothing to build unity in the body of Christ. And this should not even be a topic, right? So why are you bringing it up? I'm bringing it up to make a corrective point about it, which is just what I made. This shouldn't even be a topic, because the focus is on her, the focus is on people like John MacArthur, and on other people, when in reality, it needs to be on Christ. You know, if more, if more believers and Christian ministries bothered to be in the Word of God, and lift up the Word of God, and actually look at the Word of God in context, read it and study it, we wouldn't even have this foolishness. And that's frankly what it is. It's foolishness. Because there's nothing good that comes out of this. Nothing. And controversy and conflict in Christianity sells. And it's a disgusting stench, I personally think, in the nostrils of God. I don't think anything good comes from it. 
And it's a tragedy because, you know, it's like, well, okay, if it bleeds, it leads. Okay, well, who? Where's the dirt in the church this week? Oh, here's another Beth Moore scandal. Or, oh, here's a John MacArthur scandal. Or, you know, or whatever. Whatever, you know, Christian, you know, celebrity is, is the, the person of the day. Well, I get, you know, <laughs> you know, a lot of people send me stuff. And 99% of what people send me, I don't even look at. So just so you guys know, no offense, but most of you send me crap. And I don't mean that in a mean way, but I don't follow these teachers that you're you're putting out there. Oh, you got to hear so-and-so. You got to hear this. You got to hear that. I'm like, you know what? I don't care what they have to say. I don't care if they're the greatest so-called, you know, preacher in the world or whatever. They got 10 million people in their church. I'd rather read the Word of God for myself and look at it than, than, than a hyped-up environment where it's some rock and roll concert that's supposedly bringing people into the presence of God. That's not how I read the Word. Um, and it bothers me because we wonder why the church has lost its power. It's because the church isn't plugged into the source of the power. <coughs> You know what I'm saying? It's like, how can you know the power of God if you don't even know God? Right? I mean, we are at a very critical time in history. And um, it bothers me that the lack of discipleship, the lack of Bible study in most churches, you know, I mean... Do you know how many churches actually have Bible studies? I'm curious. If you're if you're listening to this, email me and let me know. Does the church you go to have a Bible study? That you actually go to an actual in-person Bible study. A Bible study led by somebody in that church. Not a DVD. Not a TV show. Not an internet show. But an actual Bible study led by a leader in that church. Do you have those? Because I would venture to guess the overwhelming majority of churches don't. And that's a problem because that means you're spiritually starving to death. And, you know, people are feeding on this, this other stuff, thinking that they are, are spiritual and they're Christian and they're doing this stuff, but there's like no fruit of it. This fruit is all fruit of the flesh. There is nothing godly about it. This, this story is not bringing about anything. It's not bringing about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, which is laid out. There, where is that? You know, if you've read the book of 1 Corinthians, one of the things that you'll note in the book of 1 Corinthians was that there was a lot of divisiveness in that body. Right? And the love chapter was written... In the middle of that book, well, closer to the end, but still, it was inserted in that book be between the gifts of the Holy Spirit being discussed because that was the thing that Paul was trying to express to that church to tell them, this is what love is. It's patient. It's kind. It's gentle. It's not provoked. Not easily angered. You know, and so on. Where is that? You know, I mean, I've had people say to me, why don't you talk about politics more? Why don't you talk about the gay agenda more? Why don't you talk about this, this, and this? Your, your numbers would be higher. Yeah, they would. They would. They would totally be higher. And if I put thousands of dollars and hundreds of dollars behind marketing on YouTube and Facebook, I'd have a lot larger audience. I know that. But you know what? That's not what my calling is. My calling isn't to go out there, promote, and make a big, large following for myself because um, because I need to build a name for myself. My calling is to be a disciple maker, you know? And my exhortation to those of you who are disciples, not necessarily mine, but you're just a disciple, is to turn your eyes back to Jesus, put your eyes on Jesus, and take it off of the controversy that's surrounding us because it's just created to divide, to be divisive, and to to tear down the church. Just like the article on white evangelicals refusing a vaccine. It has nothing good. There's nothing good that comes from it. And it doesn't do anything to build the body up. It does everything it does to divide. So use some discernment. Pay attention 
to the enemy's tactics and realize that if it falls into the category of killing, stealing, or destroying, it's not from God. Or sowing discord among the brethren. Right. Which would be killing, stealing, and destroying. I mean, it's stealing joy. It's, it's destroying relationships. You know? Um, and turn your eyes on Jesus. Go back to read the book of Hebrews. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, for who the joy set before him, he endured the cross, enduring, you know, despising the shame. You know, he did that so that we could know him and the power of his resurrection. You know what I mean? Um, so don't be deceived. God is not mocked. He will repay evil. Um, and he knows his sheep. He knows who, who are his. But, like, just don't get involved in foolish controversies. And I use this as an illustration because it's out there. And there's millions of people that care about it. And I'm, what I'm telling you is care more about Christ than this. Because he's the one that gives you life. And he's the one, ultimately, you're going to answer to. Beth Moore's going to answer to Jesus. John MacArthur is, and other people are, too. <sighs> so there you go. All right. So I went a little over. But with that said, tomorrow night we'll be back. Um, if you like our show, you'd like to donate to our show, give a, a donation. You can go to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. Heart Tug International is our nonprofit that covers that. Every gift is tax deductible. You can also follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, etc. Um, and if you guys need anything, just message me and Randall, and we'll do whatever we can to help you out with whatever that need is. All right, now, don't forget, read your Bible, people. Get the Bible Memory app if you don't already have it. Start memorizing some word, and um, remember the Lord loves you. Remember to be bold. Stand up and go with God, because he does love you. And he's called you to do something for him. So seek him about whatever it is and go do it. Don't sit there on a log and hit the snooze button. You got something to do. You need to go out and do something for the Lord. So go do it. Okay? All right. That's it.